Welcome to The Payoff. I'm Chris Duffy. And I'm Antonia Cerejida. This is the very first episode of our new show, The Payoff, the audio companion to all the great business and personal finance coverage from Mike, which you can find at mike.com slash the payoff. So the idea for this show is that we're regular people who, maybe like you, wish that we knew more about money and were better at it. So each episode, we're going to try and figure it out. But we have a secret weapon that you probably don't have, an entire team of financial journalists and experts here to help us out. And this isn't just about stocks and bonds and bank accounts. It's going to be about how those things relate to the rest of our lives. And right now, I think the biggest thing on everyone's mind is the transition to a Trump presidency. Absolutely. But you're probably thinking, wait, I didn't think this was yet another politics podcast. And you're right, it's not. But we can't avoid it because politics really does affect your pocketbook. And Antonia, remind me that I need to buy a pocketbook. (laughs) We're all about making finance actually personal here. So we're going to use ourselves as the guinea pigs. Our own money is on the line. So we really, really, really want to get this right. Which brings us to our first segment that we've decided to call, Oh Oh, No! (laughs) Okay, that's because that's how both of us normally feel when we have to talk about money. Investing? Oh no! Planning for retirement? Oh no! Interest rates? Oh no! Look, we know that this stuff can be scary, and it often feels like you're about to make this monumental mistake that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. That's literally how I feel. Yeah, but it doesn't have to feel that way. No, and we're going to turn the tables on the actually not-so-scary world of investing. Today, Chris and I are going to figure out what it really means to buy stock and invest. Like, really, how do you buy stock? Also, should you be buying stock in companies that are mentioned in prominent Twitter accounts? Like perhaps that of President Donald Trump? Spoiler alert, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Then we're going to share the big interview, which is where we talk with someone who knows a ton about stocks, investing, and generally just getting your money to work for you. Her name is Alexa Von Tobel, and she's the founder and CEO of LearnVest.com. That's a personal finance website, and she's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Financially Fearless. Which is, by the way, also what my tattoo is going to say on my back at the end of doing this podcast. Oh, great decision and the worst decision. (laughs) And in our final segment, The Bottom Line, we take a look at how much you should really care about the Trump administration's promise to repeal the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, although Obamacare is the Affordable Care Act. They are the same thing. Yeah, and, well, we're going to look into how quickly and in what way that repeal could affect your bank account. All right, so here we go with our inaugural run of the segment where we confront and get over our confusion and fear about something in the world of money. You know, the kind of financial stuff that usually makes you go, oh, Oh, no. no! (laughs) Okay, so for our first try, we thought we'd try out something that you hear people talk about all the time, but that fewer and fewer Americans actually do, especially millennials. We're talking about investing, specifically stocks. According to a 2016 Gallup poll, only 52% of Americans currently own stock, matching an all-time low. The reason why so few people have stocks might have a lot to do with the fear hanging over from the Great Recession. But we thought even more might be because a lot of people just don't even know how to go about investing. In fact, both of us really struggled with this. Zero idea. We are part of that 48 that's like, what? What is happening? And so we decided that we're going to try and give this a shot ourselves, and we're going to use our own money. Armed only with a recent payoff article about investing for the first time, I gave it a shot and recorded the process. Here's the highlights of how it went. Here I am reading James Denon's article, How to Invest in Stocks and Funds for the First Time, The Easy Guide to Growing Your Money. So let's see what they tell me to do. Diversification. I know this word. I know this one. To mitigate risk, you have to diversify. That I understand. Want diversification the lazy way. Find three low-cost diversified funds that include hundreds of stocks. 
and bonds across industries and geographies, then set it and forget it. Okay, but what? How do I? What do I do? How do I do that? <gasps> oh my god, I spilled. I spilled my mate. No. So deep in stocks. This is how stressed I am. I like spilled all of my mate and I'm like, okay. The lesson here is not to just pay attention to the diversification of your portfolio, but also the valuations. So pay attention to the average P of the stocks inside before you buy a fund. And remember that the overall average P for the stock market matters too. The whole thing could be historically overpriced at a given moment. When the market takes a dip, that could be a buying opportunity. Okay, so this is the, the point, the place where I'm at right now is like, I feel like I understand that I need to look for diversity, I need to like calculate the valuation of the PE, all of these things, but I don't even know like what website to go to online to like do this. I literally didn't know what website to go to. I was like, I don't even understand who I should contact. So it definitely sounds like you learned some things there, but it also sounds like you, like a lot of folks out there, need a little bit more of square one. How do you just get started type help? Definitely. So, I mean, here's, I would say that I also, when I invested, had a lot of struggle with this because I haven't really done it um, in a way that I thought of as investing before. I have a retirement account and I have a retirement account at one of these online services bank. So mine happens to be at Vanguard, but there's tons of other ones that are kind of just like that. And uh, basically what I had done is I have a Roth IRA, which we're going to talk about in just a second. And I had taken some money that I had saved and put it in there. And I was just like, that's my retirement money. Um, But what I was trying to do for our show was also be like, now I'll invest not retirement money just because like I've saved other money and it shouldn't just be in a banking account probably. Yeah. Um, But I was largely unsuccessful at that. What do you mean? What happened? Here is so far has been my financial strategy. Okay. Uh, make money. Don't spend all of your money. Then ask your dad, what is a smart thing to do with your money? And if your dad's thing is too complicated, ignore it. And uh, <laughs> most of the time, my dad's advice has been too complicated. But I did manage to open this one investment account. And then just every month, I just like automatically have my bank account transfer some more into there. So yeah. I don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Um, I think on... Uh, the... Wait, wait. So you just opened this up? Or no, this so was... I've had that so for you... a couple so, years. Hold up. So you have... you. I, but I wouldn't have even said that was investing. I didn't know that was investing. I was like, that's saving for retirement. That's crazy. We're literally doing a piece about investing and you have invested and you didn't know that you invested. True. I, I thought to me, investing is like you go out and you research stocks and then you buy stocks and you're like, I'm trying to make money. Like Wolf of Wall Street. Like, exactly. Style. Yeah. yeah. Or like even not Wolf, like Cub <laughs> of Wall Street, like just a little <laughs> dog of Wall Street. Yeah. I, I just kind of thought like what I was doing was like saving money. And I think of investing as like, I am taking money and trying to use it to make more money. So you're part of that 52%. I guess I am. I didn't even know that I was. Here I thought we were on the same team. But a thing that I learned is I thought I didn't own stocks. And it turns out that I do because I own mutual funds, which are a collection of stocks. Yeah. I knew that about mutual funds. I did not know that. So I almost opened a 401k once. And while like you have to pick a mutual fund and it's just like a bunch of num- like letters and then like random numbers, but like hundreds of them totally and you're like how am i supposed to make a decision based on like a bunch of random numbers and letters so this okay this is a thing that i actually learned this week 
from this show, and I'm so excited to tell okay, you about tell it because me, me, there's me. so many things that I still am totally clueless about, but this is one that I learned, which is um, when you're picking a mutual fund, like you don't have to be some sort of stock picking genius. Like uh, Honestly, a really good way to do this is to just pick something that's some sort of index fund, which basically just tracks a market. And that is like, instead of saying like, I'm going to get really specific, you can just be like, I'm going to buy an index fund that basically it averages your risk across all of all sorts of different sectors and companies. Um, so that is now what I have done for this show. A new thing that I opened up was I just got like a straight up index fund and it's easy to do. Of like one industry? Uh, no, I, I got an index fund of just like stocks in America. Oh. So then I'm like, now. So you're betting on America? I'm betting on America. That's right. I'm a patriot, Antonia. Mm. Okay, so let's so let's run down the stuff that we do know and that we've recently been taught. Um, there are a lot of different ways to invest money and buy stock, and one of the most important and one that most people do is retirement investing. Which, by the way, if you're saving for retirement, you're investing. Great, that's a new thing for me. Uh, and you put your money in a fund or an account, knowing that you're not going to be able to touch it until after you're retired. Which is really smart because you're not going to get tempted because I would be totally tempted otherwise. For sure. And also, this is one of those things where the earlier you start, the more money you'll have because your money creates more money. So let's talk about what the different kinds of accounts you can open. Okay. So the first one that this is probably the most common is a 401k. And you might already have one of these. I, I don't because I don't have like a regular job. I mean, stand-up comedians, you don't often have like a... Uh, 401k and an employer who will match this. But a lot of people, you might have uh, a company that will match funds. And so if you don't know about a 401k, you should ask your boss or an HR manager. Mm -hmm. um, but 401ks are basically a place to you can put your money. And when you're saving money in there, it's going to be tax-free until you make withdrawals. So a nice perk about this is you're not paying taxes on that money until you use it in retirement. And uh, your contributions that you put in are actually going to reduce what's called your taxable income. So it means that you're going to pay less in taxes right now. Wait, so this is important. So right now you're not going to like feel the, the pressure, economic pressure, but when you do take it out, you are going to have to pay taxes on it. So that is a little bit of a tough question because there's a Roth IRA, which will mean that you don't pay taxes when you pull it out, but you do pay taxes when you put it in, or a, uh, just a standard 401k, you're not going to pay taxes now, but you will pay taxes when you pull it out. But mm -hmm. we'll, we can get into that in a second. The, I think the big thing here, though, is most 401ks are basically free money because uh, a lot of employers are going to match whatever money you put in. Uh, and match is a fancy term for I'll give you the same amount of money. So like I put in $5, my employer puts in $5, which is just a crazy deal. I mean, I can't believe that people don't all use this. Um, and so basically, if you put in your 5% of every paycheck, your company is going to match that same amount. I feel like I understand 401ks better. Now, IRA accounts. Okay. So um, if you don't have a 401k, if you're someone like me, and you don't have a 401k through work, you can also open an IRA. And IRA is an acronym that stands for Individual Retirement Account. So I'm the individual. It's my retirement. An account is where I'm putting my money. <laughs> um, and you can do this on your own like I did. Um, you know, most banks or brokers have some way to do this. So- the purpose is still the exact same, right? We're saving money for retirement. Um, and you're putting money aside that's before it gets taxed. And then you're saying, I'm not going to touch this until I retire. So I understand that I'm in my mid-20s. I don't have a retirement account. I should open one ASAP. Yeah. But like, who do I go to? Yeah. So how do you find one? That's a great question. It's like, I, 
one, you can just ask people, right? And the same way you would ask people for recommendations for anything. But also you can uh, do some research by reading articles online. I mean, the payoff has articles about this. Also, there's kind of like a Yelp for financial services that's called NerdWallet. There's a couple of others like it, um, but you can use those. And when I did my research, I ended up going with a company called Vanguard, which has a good reputation and kind of is known to treat people well and, and be fair. But there's totally lots of others that have similarly good reputations and uh, you just kind of want to make sure that you're not going with somewhere that's totally insane. Okay. I have a lot of fun afternoons in my future. I know. Honestly, I feel my blood pressure rising even just talking <laughs> about it. But I, I swear that once – the nice part about this is all of the effort is up front. You spend a couple of hours doing this, and then you're set up for the rest of your life. Like, you just keep putting money in. It's it's easy to do. So, okay, I know that I'm getting an IRA, but I have heard that there's two different kinds of retirement accounts, traditional – and Roth. Yeah. What, what is that? Okay, so again, I think we're hitting, uh, we're getting close to the limits of my financial knowledge, but I think we are still within the realm that I, I hope understand. I'm feeling really good about being able to answer all these questions. I feel so smart right now, Antonia. You don't even understand. Um, okay, so I have a Roth IRA. And uh, first of all, I like that it's like traditional and Roth as though these are like uh, a brand of religion or something like that. Yeah. You're like, oh, what, what denomination are you? I'm a Roth, um, actually. Um, but basically the difference between traditional and Roth, as I understand it, is that it's when do you pay taxes. So in a traditional IRA, you put money in and you don't pay taxes on it right now, but you pay taxes on it when you pull it out. And that's traditional. That's a traditional okay. IRA. A Roth IRA is different because you're going to pay taxes now, but then when you pull it out, when you're retired, you don't pay taxes. So it's like awesome because when you pull it out, you're just like, I just get all this money for me. Exactly. It's like free cash. And I mean- if you're doing it right, you should be pulling out more money in the end. So you can actually save a lot of money by having a Roth IRA. The, one of the things that's a little complicated here is the government won't let you put just like an unlimited amount of money in a Roth IRA. So that's capped every year. Um, and but that, you can put like an unlimited amount of money in traditional. No, I, you can't put an, an No, but because of that, the Roth IRA has this big tax benefit. So because of that, you're capped at how much you can put in. Okay. Um, but either one is going to have tax benefits, right? Like if you put money in a Roth IRA, you have tax benefits down the road. So when you pull it out, you're like, oh, my God, free money. I'm not paying taxes on this. This is great. Oh, everyone in this home is getting early bird special on me. And then <laughs> if you do it the other way, uh, you get uh, money that comes out of your taxes now. So you're, you're actually going to pay less in your taxes this year probably. Okay, so this is cool. So, like, if I become a rich older lady. Mm -hmm, which I hope for you. Yeah, me too. Like, if I'm in a higher tax bracket, it means that that won't impact me when I then decide to take the money out. Yeah, and you're probably going to be in a higher tax bracket when you take the money out. Well, one would hope. So what we've learned today is that, or what we've learned by doing this episode is that saving, putting money into a retirement account is the same thing as investing. And that's really the first step towards financial security. Okay, so when we started this segment, I think we were both feeling pure, genuine terror about all sorts of finance and investing, that all of it across the board just felt scary and unmanageable. Uh, do we still feel like that now? Definitely not abject horror or abject fear. More like the same, okay. Yeah, okay. We got from oh no to okay. That's like pretty good. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to a financial expert who can maybe help us get even more confident. Welcome back. Joining us now is Alexa Von Tobel, founder and CEO of LearnVest.com, a personal finance website and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Financially Fearless. 
Alexa, thanks so much for being here with us. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Alexa, I think both of us are, are new to personal finance and we both kind of feel some financial fear. So how do we go from being financially fearful to fearless like you? <laughs> um, I love that question. Um, well, first I would say, you know, personal finance isn't taught in most high schools, colleges, you know, um, grad programs across the country. So all of us are really in the same boat when we begin to tackle our finances, which is we're not formally educated on financial literacy. So um, I think that the best thing to do is kind of acknowledge that it's okay that you don't feel like a pro. None of us are um, by nature. Um, and I think it's really important to kind of rip the bandit off and just start learning. Once you actually dig into the basics of personal finance, it's deeply empowering. Um, there's not that much to learn. Um, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming, but the truth is it, there's about 50 different questions people have financially. And when you learn the answers, you feel pretty damn good about your, your life. If you now know <laughs> yeah. how to tackle it. So what I would say is, is step one is kind of rip the bandit off. Um, and step two is um, get going and start asking the questions and start really learning the basics. In this first episode, we're trying to get started ourselves and take the first steps towards investing and doing it right. Um, so we both are trying to open retirement accounts and, and do a little bit of investing there and also maybe buy some mutual funds. Um, is that the right first step? Should What should we be doing first? What would you do if you were just starting from scratch, really? So I love this question. So um, let me first just describe to everybody that's out there listening. And I gave a TED Talk on this and LearnVest is built on, you know, think TurboTax for financial planning. That's what LearnVest is in a nutshell. We give any American family a financial plan. Um, but as a certified financial planner myself, let me pause and tell you what the hell is a plan? What is a real financial plan? What goes into it? That means things like you get really ill and how are you going to pay for it? So that's health insurance, right? We need to make sure you have it. That's things like your home burns down tomorrow. That's things like homeowner's insurance or you drive a car, you need auto insurance. So step one is we've got to make sure you have the right basic insurances. And to be honest, most people don't think of things like renter's insurance and you need them because it's really about protecting you from like big, a big catastrophic loss. That's step one. Step two is what we call basic financial security, and that's basically three key things. Number one, do you have an emergency savings account? Number two, that, and it needs to be the right size for you. So if you're young and single, three months is enough. If you're a family with four kids, you probably need a full year of emergency savings because there's just more people for things to happen to. Um, so... That basic financial security is, number one, an emergency savings account. Number two, no credit card debt. That's a really important key for a variety of reasons that I won't bore you with today. Um, and then number three is being on track for retirement. So the sad secret is that um, quick stats, the average American is $9,000 in credit card debt. The average American has less than $400 in savings. And the average American has about $54,000 in their retirement account, which means the average American cannot pass basic financial security. So we're basically, all of us are in deep catastrophe right now. <laughs> so I often hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, I got to be investing more. And I'm, we always are like, whoa, 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 this is a monopoly step. You can't do anything else in your life until you can pass go on those things. So again, you need an emergency savings account that's three, six, nine, or 12 months based on who you are and what kind of your family life looks like. Number two, you need no credit card debt. That means zero. You pay off your bills in full every month. That's also awesome because it starts to improve your credit score and a lot of other really po powerful things. And then finally, you need to be on track for retirement. You're in your 20s, start saving as much as you humanly can. Um, and by the time that you're in your 40s and 50s, you want whatever your salary is after taxes, you want about 20 to 30 times your salary in retirement. So that's a good rule of thumb. Wow. 
Yes, which is a big number. So it lets you say that right now you live on, I'm going to make it easy, $100,000 a year after taxes as a family. You would need 2 to $3 million in retirement. So those are big numbers. And I say that because, again, most people aren't totally on track for retirement. Um, once you can pass basic security, then it's all the fun stuff. Do you want to buy a home? Do you want to buy a car? Do you want to have more kids, pay for your kids' education? All of those kinds of things. Oh, my God. Sorry for the stress. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's so I think that that's something that we've been talking a lot for this episode is like we're talking about how to invest if you've never invested. And it sounds like the first step is like make sure you have like your your life together yeah. before you even consider something like that. It's like step one, don't be a disaster. Yeah. And also I would say step one really is I always tell people not having a financial plan is a plan. It's just a bad plan. Because if you're not making sure it all you get to cover all the boxes and you, you actually get to the future then guess what? You're certainly not going to be prepared for the future. It's not like we miraculously end up making you know millions of dollars accidentally, right? So you need a real game plan. So, so the two of us, we're both in our 20s. We probably are not, we're not even making your uh, modest $100,000 there. Nope. Um, so what if we maybe can't afford a, a financial planner and we're trying to still figure out what to do? Um, I get like pay off your credit card debt. I get like make sure that you are prepared for a catastrophe. Those all make sense to me. But then when you actually start saving for retirement or trying to invest this money so that you're thinking about the future, uh, what does that actually mean or look like? How do you do that? So I think the best thing when it comes to actually getting your butt together for your financial life is I would say two or three things. Um, You would never go if you if you knew that you needed to go get medical advice, you wouldn't just talk to anyone in the medical profession that you can find randomly, right? You'd be like, I've got to go see a doctor. So the first thing I always tell people is step one of any good financial um, strategy is you need an expert. Um, and just because someone works in finance does not make them equipped to have these financial, the, these financial facts to advise you. So one of the things I hate hearing is when people are like, oh, I, you know, somehow it's like my uncle's brother's nephew works in finance and he, he's giving me help. Um, I hear that all the time, and I'm like, well, is that person a certified financial planner or someone who is licensed to give financial advice? And if the answer is no, I don't want you taking advice from them. And so that's step one. Step two, then, is understand that um, you really want that plan, and then you want your money working for you. So I'm, I always like to say I'm lazy with my finances, which is I want, when I'm on vacation, my money to be working every day. My money should go to work every day and work its tail off on my behalf. And that's precisely how I think about things like investing in retirement, which is the more money you have invested the earliest, the harder it works over the next 40 years um, because compounding interest isn't magic, it's math. And so I like all the tricks that I would say are really smart cheats. They basically help you get ahead without you doing any of the work. And a good example of one is simply start saving early for retirement because if you save a lot in your 20s, it's all the work for you the next 40 years. And that's super powerful. So the idea is like, even if you can't afford a financial planner today, definitely look to invest in your retirement and then the rest will come later. Yeah. And I would say you can't afford financial planning. You know, one of the learn best best is affordable financial planning. That's what we do. So typically a financial planner costs two to $5,000. Most people aren't willing to pay that. Whereas LearnVest is a few hundred dollars a year and you basically have an on-demand financial planner. And that's kind of that modern digitization of the financial 
of your financial life, but in a way that's much more modern and it's open 24 hours a day. And LearnVest also you get to talk to an actual person on the phone, right? Yep, who is a licensed individual, either a certified financial planner or Series 65, and they become your, your dedicated planner to help you get a plan. One of the things that you know I'm really taking away from our conversation with you is that uh, money isn't just about having more money, but it's about being prepared for disasters. It's about being emotionally secure. It's about having choices. And, and in a lot of ways, it's just about having the, the power to kind of control what's going on with you. So um, I think that that really makes tons of sense to me. And, and we're really thrilled that you were able to be here on the show and talk to us. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. Okay, it's time now for our final segment, The Bottom Line. And this is where we take a look at a story from the world of business news, and we break down why you should care and how it's going to affect your bank balance. And so one story that's been all over the news is how the Affordable Care Act is currently being in the process of being repealed, defunded, pulled back, definitely changed in some way. Yeah, and whatever you want to say, we know that we've been hearing about this all the time in this week's news. And if you're like me, you maybe are starting to tune out a little bit because it's scary and unclear, but you shouldn't do that. And we're going to make it really clear in three simple ways that it could affect your pocketbook, your wallet. Here's why you should care about it because it affects your money. Okay, so we're going to look at three costs. Cost number one, health insurance. Right now, under the ACA, if you're under 26, you are able to be under your parents' insurance. Yeah, and you are right now. Yeah, like me. I am actually under my parents' insurance right now. And I was too until I was 26. Uh, But if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, this is one of the things that is at risk. And having to buy your own health insurance rather than stay on mom and dad's, that could be a huge cost. Almost $3,000 a year. Yeah, the average premium that people are going to have to pay is around $245 a month. And look... No one knows for sure that this is going to be repealed, but this is definitely one of the things that's at risk. So That's so many sushi dinners. That's like, a lot of sushi dinners every month. The most number of sushi dinners. Yeah. That's also like a lot of rent, too. So <laughs> not just sushi is on the chopping block here. Cost number two, birth control. Right now, insurers are required to pay for birth control co-payments. But with the ACA being repealed, that might not be possible. And birth control co-payments can be pretty high. I mean, you might have to pay as much as $50 a month or $600 a year if these are no longer covered. And, I mean, this is going to impact a ton of people. Yeah. Uh, What kind of people? Like women. Yeah. And I see them everywhere. Women and also men who interact with women. (laughs) True. So it affects both uh, women, heterosexual men, and other men and other women (laughs) and all people, basically. If you know a woman, this could affect you. And our third and final cost are emergency room visits. Yeah. So right now, this is one of the scariest parts about the law being repealed is because uh, under the ACA, uh, people who have pre-existing conditions. So if you have things like diabetes or asthma or depression, you were able to get health insurance. And before the passage of the Affordable Care Act, roughly one in seven applicants for health insurance couldn't get coverage from any of the major insurers. Now, that doesn't just mean like cheap insurance. They couldn't get it at any price. This is scary because if this part goes away, People are going to have to pay for emergency room visits out of pocket, and that can be incredibly expensive. I mean, so expensive. Anything from $740 all the way up. So those are the three costs. Health insurance if you're under 26, birth control, and emergency room visits for people with pre-existing conditions. Yeah, and just to be clear, it's not like we know for sure that these are going to happen. But even a partial repeal of Obamacare could leave up to 18 million people who have insurance today with no coverage one year later. And that's according to an analysis by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. And that same report estimates that over 10 years, 
32 million people could lose their insurance. So one of the things that we've learned here is that it's not just about investing. It's not just about buying stocks. If you want to be financially prepared, you have to be ready for catastrophe. And one of the most important things you can do to prepare yourself, like Alexa said, is to make sure that you're insured and that you have an emergency stash of money for when something happens. Yeah, because uh, one of the things that I'm taking away from today's episode is that it's not just about making money and having this like stash of gold coins that you can then swim in like uh, the duck from DuckTales. It's about... I've always wanted to do that. Right? It seems painful though to me. But (laughs) it's also about just making sure that you're prepared for things that might happen so that when something unexpected comes up, you don't have to change your whole life in a way that you don't want to. And it doesn't like sound sexy, but it could be sexy. Yeah, I think there's nothing sexier than being insured. (laughs) So thank you so much. That is it for this episode. We are ending with the sexiest thing in the world, health insurance. Uh, We hope that you will subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is from Breakmaster Cylinder, and our producer is Alan Haberchak. Thank you, Alan, and thanks so much to everyone for listening. If you want to help us out, you can do that by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. You can also tell all of your friends about all the things that you've been learning and tell them that there's more where that came from. You can find out more about us on Twitter at The Payoff by Mike or online at Mike.com slash The Payoff. See you next time. 